thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Angley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Brian, I'm doing great, and I actually, because I'm talking to you, I don't feel like an isolated monad, which is nice. <laughs> this is very good. A nice little, uh, little, little, little jokey introduction to our topic of conversation today, which is uh, monadology, a brief, very dense text from... Uh, in our new series, little little sub-series on the history of philosophy. This is from Leibniz. Uh, so this is the first uh, time that we'll be talking about him, I think, in any length or any depth. Well, on I don't this, know if uh, we've even mentioned Leibniz's name, have we? Maybe never not. Even, never even brought it up to, to, to disdain it. So That's just... <laughs> I don't no, know if you can no have way. disdain for Leibniz. Well, there, well, you know what, Todd? Why don't you start there? That's great, because I, I had a whole setup that I was I was ready to go. Why can't you disdain Leibniz? I think it's an well, interesting little entry. Yeah, I think so. He he lives like uh, 1746, uh, sorry, 1646 to 1716. So he's he's a later than Spinoza, but they did meet each other. They knew each other. I just mm. think he's such a learned guy that it, that's why I said that, because he, mm. he, he basically co-invents, so they invented with, with Newton, Newton invents calculus, Leibniz independently ex- invents it. So there's that. So he invents calculus. He's an incredible legal scholar. And he's a great philosopher. So he just really, he has it all going, I think. And he, he, he was also a very into like practical activity. He worked for different governments in his lifetime and was just, wasn't just an isolated ivory tower professor. So unlike me, so he's really, <laughs> there's something to, I just find him just uh, eminently likable, just likable as a, just impressive, I guess. Maybe, maybe impressive is a better word than likable, although people liked him. He was, he had a lot of, he had a lot of people that he that were supporters of him. So yeah, just impressive. And I think that's why you can't you can't go off on him, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, as Taja said, he had math, he had philosophy, he did uh, government work, and he's a professor. The original quadruple threat, I think, is, is yeah. what we're what we're saying about Leibniz. Um this is so this is an interesting text. Like we like this it's a it's short. It's twelve pages. Todd introduced this to me this, when we were deciding what we were going to do as a follow up. Um, we to to Machiavelli, and we came upon Leibniz. It doesn't matter how; it's a boring story. But then we were like working out, like, okay, what's the text to do? And you said, "Oh, I know the one. Monadology. It's really great. Uh, it introduces the you know his system, the way that he thinks uh, like about everything, how everything exists, interacts with everything else." Uh, and it's short, 12 pages. I was like, ah, 12 pages. Piece of piss. <laughs> Sounds great. Awesome. And I have read this thing, uh, I don't know, two, three times since we had yeah. that conversation. It's yeah. very difficult. It's a really, really difficult uh, 12 pages. Really, very rich. Um, but I, but let's, uh, let's, let's back up a little bit, a little bit of context. Um, what he is trying to do with the, the monad. So the monad and if, Todd, if you have a better way of expressing this, like jump in and, 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 sure. uh, and, and interrupt me, but the monad for Leibniz is his way of thinking the, the simplest single kind of substance that could possibly exist. And that is foundational for all existence. Is that fine? Absolutely. Okay. Right. No, that's absolutely right. And, and, and it's, it's so it's interesting. He doesn't, Leibniz doesn't have a great work that, like, he doesn't have a critique of pure reason. He doesn't have an ethics like Spinoza. He has all these little works. And his biggest published work to the theodicy is 
very specific and not necessarily about his overall thinking. So this really is the, it's, he writes it when he's 68. He's almost, he dies it when he's 70. He's, 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 he's at the end of his life. And it really sums up his thinking, I think, although his thought does evolve. He's not like Hegel. He discovers his thought and then it says the same. Uh, but, but yeah, I think you're right. Like the, he's trying to understand what's the simplest substance. And he's also not, he thinks that he can prove it. And the other thing is that yeah. he's a, a, a very non, he's a rationalist. He's a non-empirical thinker. So none of the monadology is about empirical observation of any kind, nothing experiential. Mm-hmm. It's an entirely a priori argument. And he thinks that his argument for why there are simple substances is because things are complex. <laughs> it's a very, <laughs> yes, it's a very there could, and it's, it's a very simple argument that if there are complex things, there must be simple things that constitute the complexity. So he doesn't think it's possible to go all the way down to, oh, he does kind of think this. I was going to say he doesn't think it's possible to go all the way down to infinity, but he does because he mm-hmm. thinks mm-hmm. there's an infinite number of simple substances. So it's yes. a weird kind of, uh, again, a priori rationalist argument about this very basis of our existence and about all existence. It's a theory of being. It's an ontology. So, after this introduction, I want to like I want to step I want to step back a little bit and 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 to just to mention why because I think this is a good question. Like, what problem? Like we've said this before with different things. Uh, like, what problem is he trying to solve? Why is he even saying this? I think this is a thing. That I know when I was in um, uh, when I was in college, and then uh, like I think it was in grad school um, when I finally started to 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 grow out of this uh, sense that I'm about to to say, which is it's very difficult when you're reading philosophy or history philosophy or you're, you're doing any of this stuff. It, the the question why is this person even saying this? It's just never really talked about, and it was never really discussed in any class that I that I was in. It was just so so. Why why is this thing important? Is ends up being kind of two things. Well, it's important because it's in the book that I had to buy for the class that cost a lot of money. And the other thing, yeah. reason why it's important is because the professor told me I had to read it, and yeah, they must know what they're talking reasons. about. Those right. are unacceptable, unacceptable. reasons. A totally unacceptable reason. So, um, to not uh, give into that. I want to get into a, a little background, uh, so I will kick it to you in, in a second about like why 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 is this even a problem he's trying to solve? Why is he even yeah. offering this in a second? But before that, I do want to mention so um, because it was so it was strange for me. I I, I I I didn't have this in my head when I was reading it, but I was like, well, why is he saying simple substance at all? Why is he looking for a simple substance? Why is he looking for like that like? An origin, I would say, no, I don't want to say originary. An initial element from which all other elements can be uh, apprehendable and thrived. And thrive, yeah. yeah, yeah, thrive. That's really nice. And as as you and I were talking before this episode, like he is, he's writing this. The concept of the molecule, okay, which you might think, if you wanted to be very scientific about this, about a simple substance. What could be more simple than a molecule? Even the concept of the molecule did not exist until eighteen eleven. Right. Which is like uh, is like a hundred years after he writes this, or yeah, so yeah, okay, yeah, roughly, yeah. And so, uh, the atom as a concept was around since the ancient Greeks, but like right. th- it, the there wouldn't be any you know scientific discovery related to the to the atom for a, a while after he wrote this um, right. as well. So like if we're so again, 
he, as you said, rationalist, not not an empiricist, okay, not looking at in, empirical things in the world, but he's trying to explain why the world as such exists as such. And so like that that would be one thing I would say, but like, but why why specifically is 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 he gravitating toward that? Like it, it seems also kind of out of step from the contemporary moment because people um I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe I would say like since Sartre died, like the, the, the problems that people try to solve, I think in philosophy have become a lot smaller, right. uh, a lot more, a lot more local. Um, if they are global, they are global in the sense of economy, which is a, I think a, a cutting, a cut, a really like a, a cutting down. Like, so like the, the, the idea of like, I think existence as such, like, like to, to start from this kind of perspective, I I think no one does it because we actually have some of these answers of what is the simplest substance. Like I just right. said, we had atoms and we have molecules and we, you know, we have, he's writing this before there's evolutionary thinking, right? right? I mean, right. so this, it's like 150, 60 years before, before Darwin. Darwin. Yeah, yeah. But so, so he's trying to figure out how this, how this whole, how can we even, how can we think of the simplest kinds of existence, and and I, right. I think you can see that in the text, and so I like would like a little. I think the listeners yeah, would like yeah, a little yeah, background yeah. from him, like yeah. why why he's doing this and what he's trying to what he's trying to solve. Right. So he's he's definitely a modern philosopher, and that's why I think makes him important. Mm. Right. So he's not thinking of, he doesn't talk about atoms. He talks about substances. So he's not thinking in the tradition. He never brings them up of Democritus and. Epicurus, he's thinking in response to Descartes' break, the modern break, although he doesn't mention anything like subjectivity, although he does talk about the soul, so there's mm-hmm. or in the mind. So there is a mm-hmm. sense in which he's he's talking about that. But he's also thinking in the wake of Spinoza. And I said before this interesting thing that Leibniz went to visit Spinoza, even though Spinoza was a persona non grata at the time. So Leibniz didn't broadcast. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to see this guy, Spinoza. Great, because I know he's a great... He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out in the Netherlands for a while. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll see someone. No, he didn't. That's what he said. He didn't talk. He didn't brag about this going or even after the fact. But it, I think it was influential on him Wait, Todd, hold on really quick. For listeners, yeah. why was Spinoza persona non grata at the time? Okay. I think this is, Spinoza was thought of as an atheist, but that's completely wrong. As, as Hegel says, it's more like he's a, he, he's a, he's a, doesn't believe in the existence of anything outside of God, so it's the opposite of a, mm. being an atheist. <laughs> he's an he's a all-theist, right, or an mm-hmm. omnitheist. Mm-hmm. Not even a pantheist, right? Not it's pantheist, not just that right. the earth is God. It's like everything is God. Uh, so the, the, so the, 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 the point is that that Spinoza was on, he so anyway he wrote that he he was also excommunicated from the from his synagogue but I that wouldn't make him a persona non grata in the larger mm-hmm. culture what did was this this idea that he was propagating atheism and and the Tractatus uh, it 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 has a, it has God in it but it mm-hmm. attempts to write out every miracle from the Bible basically so he's trying to say right. look and and he thought. We'll do an episode on Spinoza later and talk mm-hmm, about this. Mm-hmm. But he thought that, and, and Deleuze really picks this up. He has a, two books on Spinoza. One's called Spinoza Practical Philosophy, which is where he talks about this. That the the Garden of Eden, God disallowed the tree of knowledge of good and evil, not because he wanted to, he just was introducing some senseless prohibition, but because God knew 
that the fruit of that tree was bad for humanity. <laughs> so, of course, there's all kinds of questions begged in that uh, analysis. Nonetheless, that's Nonetheless. so you can see that Spinoza doesn't believe in what's called like a stupid, nonsensical signifier of prohibition. He just doesn't believe in that. Uh, and he, the other thing that he thought was that there was, and this is tied to that, there was only one substance. So Descartes famously divides different kinds of substances. So there's a thinking substance, which is our mind, and then there's mm-hmm. what he called an extended substance, which is matter. Both Spinoza and Leibniz are trying to, re- and then Descartes had a huge problem in thinking about how those two kinds of substance interact with each other, right? Because they both, the idea of substance is that it is independent, right? A substance is right. independent. So Spinoza comes along, he's like, well, wait a minute, if a substance really is independent, so he was the first thinker to kind of get in the direction of dialectics in the modern sense, not in the Platonic sense. Because he said, well, wait a minute, if, no, if a substance is independent, then there can only be one because mm-hmm. everything is relational for Spinoza. So he, Spinoza has this idea of there's one substance. And then Leibniz comes along and says, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense because it doesn't really capture the way in which things are, are they're related, yes, but they're also radically separated from each other. So Leibniz Contra Spinoza says, actually, there's an infinite number of substances, and then, which he calls monads, and then he has this famous line at the beginning of the monadology, monads have no windows, mm-hmm. right? So they, they don't right. have any, his ideas, they don't, unlike Spinoza, there's not one, sub, there's infinite substances, and they don't talk to each other. They don't, right. they're not influencing each other in any way. I think it's like, when I read Leibniz, I think you have to think of this conception, the monad, exactly like Matrix, you know, where Neo nice. is yeah. in the little pod yes. and he's stuck in that pod. And yet the, the his, his image of what's happened to him, the world that he pictures, mm-hmm. is a world shared with everybody else in their isolated little pod. Right, so yeah. Leibniz didn't think we were all, every monad is psychotic. <laughs> he thought, <laughs> no, they share a, like a psychotic, you could imagine a Leibnizian thinker who thought every low monad is psychotic, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, like it just has its own world. We don't ever, we we have no windows. We're just in our own little thing. Yeah. There's no other people. That's it. Yeah. But he didn't yeah. think that. He thought, That's yeah. Not, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, like, like just that when you like the the idea would be, and then please continue. The, just the idea would be like when when we're in a, a society, we are we're. We're, 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 we are just isolated, even in the interaction. So like, like that, that, that thing, like, it's just like the world, I don't know, like there is, and I think inherent in the, like in the matrix example is like, there is this kind of, um, there's like a solipsism, which I don't want to get too like, like I want to get to our reading about, about this, like a little bit too, too quickly, but like, there's a solipsism in that, like the world is really for you, but also like, and everyone else is, it's also for them individually. And that, in that isolated sense. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I, th- I, I don't think that's, do you think that's out of keeping with Leibniz? I don't think that's. No, 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 I do. I, I do. I, I, I just, well, I don't know. Solipsism is like a bad word, right? So like, yeah, I it's a bad like, word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, he does um, say, doesn't he say like, there's nothing that comes from the monad from the outside, right? Yeah. Nothing comes in. And that like, there is something that saves him from solipsism. We'll get to later because he, mm-hmm. he yes. comes on that. Right. Maybe right. halfway through the, through the work. But I think that, 
you could say, like, what is the, because I think the idea is kind of almost, I think this is, okay, I think there's some, it seems crazy to us that there are infinite number of substances and every substance is isolated from each other. But I think there's a real way in which this is, isn't this the contemporary dominant way of thinking, <laughs> right? Like, just like the way you put it, like, oh, I don't ever see your perspective on something. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm stuck in my own. Yes. I can't get out of my own way of, so there's this, I, I think there's a certain, and again, I think Leibniz gets out of this later in a, in a specific way that we'll talk yeah. about, but there's a certain propensity to s- call it what you will, solipsism, relativism in this Leibnizian way of thinking. And I think that's something that's really people have picked up. But I think we, I think we are, and I think that's why Deleuze seems like a radical thinker because he's a Spinoza, even though he wrote a book on Leibniz too called The Fold. Uh, he's, he's a Spinozist and he thinks that, and that Spinoza f- is, there's something that feels radical about that because he emphasizes the connection. And I think we live in a very Leibnizian world where we're cut off, we feel at least cut off from the other and the perspective of the other, like the, the other moment. We feel like, isol- I think, couldn't one say that capitalism turns every subject into an isolated monad, yeah. or at least no. phenomenologically in their it's experience? It's pretty good. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, um, um, I, uh, I, I I have this line that I like, right? It's just like the the shampoo aisle of like sense is what is what we get from yeah, uh, yeah. from 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 capital and uh, and and just and from living living under it. And so like it it is easy to so if you wanted, um, I think it's harder again. Of course, in the in the age of the the molecule and the and and evolution and the atom, I think that like there is a um, there's a literalness that is hard to sustain from the way from from the spirit in which this was written that like it, it's yeah. hard to, to 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 incorporate that however i mean and, and again this isn't what Leibniz writes that things really are this way but if you wanted to i think adjust it to make it more contemporary i mean this is what you're saying is that like it feels this way which is a separate argument that's not the argument that he's making he's saying it no really he's not is, making that right no right, he right, like right. things really are this way that we there really is a simple substance that, that there and it is infinitely divisible and like it's we we can prove this logically like this is where like we come from this like this this state of things uh arises for these reasons like that's what he's doing right I, ryan i think what you're saying is crucial because he he wants like he if you have evolution then i don't think you can say what he says one of the earliest things he says is a simple substance cannot die and it cannot be born right like nothing right. can happen because those yeah. things happen from the outside mm-hmm. and i think once you think in evolutionary terms then that that ceases to be that that ceases to be credible yeah yes i i agree completely i and then but the the adjustment is also crucial which is like but if you know what would he what would he have written i mean like it's a counterfactual but like it's a nice it's an interesting thought experiment what would he have written if he was if he had accept if he hadn't knew about molecules atoms and the way that we do and evolution in the way that we do and he accepted all of those things like like he accepted all of those into his philosophy and didn't like reject them for whatever reason what would be what would be the move i think his move would still be I think it might still be this, and I think it it might turn more toward the phenomenological, and right. like as you're right. laying out, which is like, 
it doesn't matter that molecules and atoms exist and evolution because we don't experience those things. Right. We, right. What that, we ex- yeah. What we experience is this, is this monadic way of living. I think that would probably yeah. be the argument. You know, it's pretty great because what you're saying is even though he's a total rationalist, he's actually laying out what he's experienced. Right. I mean, I don't mean to reduce his philosophy no, 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 to no, his no, yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Experience, but I think you're right. Like, there's something really because I think it's, I mean, this idea that nothing can happen to a monad from the outside. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if we accept that today because I think we feel like, wait a minute, this outside world is really oppressing me and turning me into something. Mm -hmm. But maybe we don't, maybe we think, I think what he means by that is we have to allow it. Like, if something affects us, it's through our representation of it. And we allow it to, to affect us, right? And that I think would fit with what he's he says, and also how we think of things today in terms of all these. You know, I think that to me, the idea that the world has changed and has evolved to become what it is is a is the real. That's the hardest thing for him to, to to involve in his thought or to integrate into his thinking, right? It just yeah. doesn't because because then 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 are, is that substance really as as can it be not penetrated from the outside in the way that you think it can? I don't know about that. That seems yeah. to me the hardest possibility. It's interesting. I, I th- well, I think it's like um, he gets into this a little uh, like later from from where we're from the beginning, and it's just in case anyone's interested. Uh, maybe we should have said this earlier. The PDF that I'm reading this from is in uh, a, a larger work. Uh, that is, it's just called philosophical text, right? Like that's the, the title. Yeah, it's just public. It's just collected a bunch of short. There's various collections of his short works, but it is numbered by paragraph. The Monadology. Right. I mean, not they're not even paragraphs. They're they're like sentences. sentences a few sentences. Yeah. It's more. Yeah. yeah it's like if if you're familiar with the way that um, Nietzsche wrote, right? Like that's that's right. You know, like they're, they're or Wittgenstein. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the so something he says later. I mean, I, I think it helps to make sense. Uh, for like a like a metaphor to grab onto of like what he thinks about like the the externality not being uh not exerting a force on the monad i think that's is that, is that fair um that yeah, yeah, yeah i think his metaphor that he comes to a little bit later that is helpful is the seed okay so like in a in a seed like an actual seed um uh, and I don't know. I mean, this must have been a development. Like this must have been a scientific development for him to. Or if it wasn't, it's kind of uh, a, a little. It's a shocking and like very accurate leap that he makes, which is that like what the like what the seed will eventually be is already in the seed, and we do like literally know this is true. Like yeah. you know, like 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 it, it. It's you slice that in half, and it's it's in the miniature what it's going to be right. Uh, right when it grows, and. Right. That so there is a um, there is a like a he ha- has a nice because all of this is again all of this logic is a priori and it's a nice metaphor for him to work through because he says like in the seed you have pre formation with what it's going to be and that, and that's how he that's how he thinks of the world that's how he th- I think that's how he thinks of the monad I think that's probably another thing that underwrites you know monads not like because you might say to him like well how does like society exist you know, whatever, like if, if, if monads don't have the, a kind of like in, intrinsic or, or, uh, or intimate like connection with each other. And I think that might be part of the answer, which is that there is a 
pre-formation that they're tending toward or or maybe right i think that's right toward. i think that's right yeah right like absolutely right and i think that the the way that the uh the way that the 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 seed functions right like it's not it's not a external change it's not a, it's not a force externally yep. that's causing it to develop it's just its own internal logic so it's not yes. like he thinks everything stays the same he right. thinks things do develop but they always develop according to internal principles not external ones and yes. it's just a fascinating way of thinking and i think there's i think the other way that he seems relevant is it's like he doesn't he does mention does he mention it? No, I don't think he does. But he he does talk about morality later. But it's a it's mm-hmm. a theory of freedom, right? Like it's a theory of there's a certain freedom attached to the substance because it's not because it's just internally driven, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that's important. And then he gets to this distinction between the soul and the simple monad, and that's a funny thing, right? Because wait a minute, so <laughs> yeah. the the, no, the I, soul I is composed. Op, I assume. But he doesn't think this. Like he thinks the soul is a monad. But wait a minute. There's the whole like aren't monads? Don't they go down to infinity? So what? How can you say the soul is just one? So that's a very. I don't know how that works itself out logically, even because he just doesn't talk about that. He just says the souls are different than simple monads because they have memories, right? And then they're able yeah. to act on those memories. Well, is this where is this where it makes sense to get into the turn? It does. It does. Okay. Right. Yeah. So. There's, and I want to say, uh, when it's really, it's, it's the reason, you know, we, we read, we'd like to read things out from the text. I just, um, there'll probably be lines that we will read. Um, I, I think it's hard. It's difficult. I don't think it makes for very good read radio to read like too, too much of this. So we're trying to yeah. do the summary as best we can. And, uh, you know, why, why, you know, why it's important and what it enters into, because there is this like, but there is this turn that is like, um, I would say at the sentence level is a little, like a little bit of whiplash is that like, again, he's moving through like brick by brick, this like very rational and, and like, uh, not like cold in the sense of it being unfeeling, but like, it's, it's just, it's purely reasonable. Okay. Like we start with the simple substance like that, like that's how can anything exist? Certainly things didn't, get to be here whole cloth there had to be threads there had to be be bits uh that that for this whole whole human tapestry todd mcgowan to have been yes you know woven yeah. together there had to that had to have happened like this so how 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 do we think about this and he's moving along and then suddenly uh god appears and but it's and it's it's interesting it's like it, it's one of these it's one of these things where like, I think it's both the best and the worst thing about this because yeah. I think it's, it's not um, because the, the presence of God in the text does sort of uh, give him license to, ex- he doesn't have to explain so much the way he had been doing, about like why certain things exist. It doesn't matter what you think of God, even if you, whether you, you, you know, you are uh, a believer in any kind of organized faith or, or not like, you have an idea of what someone means when they say God. And that does a lot of work for him, I think in this. And, um, so that's, that's on one side. I think that that's maybe like the, I say worse, but like, this is like wonderful. Uh, but, but it's, uh, but on the, on the plus side, this is not a, 
I don't know. Like, like I, I said this to you before, like it's, it's not a, um, it's not a God of, of doctrine. I, I, it's a very, it's a very different kind of God, the way that well, God that's really important. I functions think, for Brian, him. Yeah. That, yeah. Go ahead. That, that, that he says, this is a great thing where he says the eternal truths of reason, uh, eternal truths of reason aren't dependent on the will of God, but on reason alone. Right. I think that yeah. is a huge, so it's not like, and I think he gets this from Spinoza that it's not like, and Spinoza absolutely thinks this, you can't, it's not like God gives a commandment and then says, okay, that's why it's true, right? Like God God makes uh, uh, trees grow tall in the woods. No, trees grow tall in the woods because they need food. Like there's all kinds, like they need, the, they, they, they reach up for sunlight, right? Like the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the, the, the idea, although that's an empirical example, but like <laughs> whatever, uh, why are why sure. why is the uh, the two sides of the triangle equal to the square of the other side, right? Like that, that those kinds of truths. He thinks it's not just God made them and could decide to make two sides of the triangle equal to the the cube of the hypotenuse, right? Like mm-hmm. it, God couldn't do that. So I think it's right. interesting that God. Like, do you know this this famous philosophical paradox? Like, could God create a rock that is too heavy for God to lift? You know this, right? Right. Like, yeah. so it's yeah. obviously there's no answer to this question. Um, but I think what Leibniz, what he would say is, God can only create this what's reasonable. Right, like God mm-hmm. can't just arbitrarily. And both again, both he and Spinoza think this, and I think it makes this conception of God interesting and maybe even, I don't know if I, maybe even questionable, right? Like they don't think that God just has, not that God couldn't do it, but that God, I don't know, that's another question, God wouldn't do it, right? Like that. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a, it it, it does complicate, it does uh, unqualify this idea of the turn to God, right? Because it's not, it's still, it's still reason ruling the world. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah. God is, you know, God is in—I think we'll get to why God plays such a crucial role for him, and I think it really—I almost am tempted to say that—I uh, don't know that I want to say this, but <laughs> like maybe Lacan's entire way of thinking about uh, how the signifier functions is has its basis in in Leibniz, and it, maybe not in this particular text because it's spread, his ideas are spread out. Throughout, but I think it, it, it you could find it in this text. I think that's interesting. I would like for you to come back to that. Um, okay, a, a, a yeah. little bit later in the, the episode. That's pretty cool. Um, it's an interesting claim. The so it's for him. It's important to uh, to note that God does not exist on the basis of a, of a, of an exception. As as like it's it's more on the basis of, of being included in the whole, like, like he, he is right. a part of this monadic structure. That God is the monad of monads. For right. So, and, but it's also like, he, it's more, I think it's close. God, the way God functions in this text from Leibniz is closer to, uh, is closer to prime mover. And so I, there's a, I would have this. Is, this would be my like. I don't know if this is this is both a selfish and I think a, a structurally sound objection. I would rather God arose as a question in this structure rather than an answer. And the um, the reason is is that it just the 
again, as I say, out, for for someone for someone who does not want to allow on uh, or, or does not want to. Uh, acknowledge that externality exerts a, a, like a force of determination like yeah. whatever outside understanding external to this text about whatever god could mean it does just a lot of work for it and that's like yeah. that's that would that would i think be my critique of the way that he's thinking through on this that like there, there are like a bank of assumptions that are doing a lot of work i think for for Leibniz yeah. but it doesn't have to because it's 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 interesting like if you if he had he been living or like or if you could have explained to him about the big bang okay or like the cosmic microwave background or whatever i wonder how i think that there's actually a way that it fits with what with what he's saying here so that's what so that's why i think it's really important that it's not a doctrinal god that is in in the text so that's that's sort of like the it's a structural god it's a structural god yeah 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 Yeah, that's it it's it's that's really right it's really it is, and it's really fascinating and like and again it does go back and that's it does go back to the prime mover thing it is this like this like i think the reason why it comes up i don't know if this is what you were going to say but like i think he comes to a point in in his own thinking and in the text where like there has to be like there has to have been something that flicked the marble forward for the marble to be moving forward right it, like that right. had to have happened but that doesn't make it perhaps also not a marble, but like a marble with its own internal like torsion and push. And right, that's right. Right. That right. makes it yeah. the monad of monads, you know, but it is still right. a monad. So that's what's right. still monads. a monad. Right. Yeah. I, 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 it's questionable. If you were a believer, would you find reading the monadology a great relief? I'm not sure. I don't think mm. so. But, mm-hmm. but I do think there's a couple things about God for him. Like I think God, so every monad represents the whole to itself. Right, like that's just what it means to be. So that's why you think you're living in this world where there's all these external things because that's your represent, which makes sense. It's a theory of representation. You represent the yeah. whole to yourself, but it's only God who can represent the whole clearly to itself. Mm-hmm. Right, like so mm-hmm. we all do it in what he would call a confused way. Like we have confused, per, I'm blending Locke and Leibniz a little bit, but we have confused perceptions of the world, right? Like or, mm-hmm. because they're not. I mean, or confused. That was the wrong word. We have confused representations of the world, and God doesn't. God has a clear representation of everything, and I think that's that's for him crucial. And that, but that comes because God is. The, and this is what comes back to this point I was making about Lacan that God organizes mm-hmm. everything. So you have all these monads that are isolated from each other. How do we know that their worlds are going to line up? Right. I don't think mm-hmm. we. We do, right? Like there's no, there's no, why, why, how we're able to talk right now in relative simultaneity. I'm not just, I don't just keep talking when you talk. <laughs> I, I stop and try to be as respectful as I can, right? Well, how do I know even you're talking? I, I, right. Like, and how do I know to register? It's because God for him. It's because mm-hmm. God, this other, this, this other kind of monad, Mm-hmm. is able to organize all the other monads so that they, they're they able to co... And this is why I've made the connection to Lacan's structuralism, right? Like, there, he thinks there's one... Isn't his point that there's all this slippage of the signifier everywhere all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But there's yeah. one signifier yeah. that puts a stop to the what he calls name of the father, master signifier, that puts a stop to that 
slippage. And I think that's the that's God for alignment. So I think he's kind of has a theory of of representation and is trying to think like, oh, how do all the how do those representations that different people are having, what holds them together? Well, there's a master signifier. I'm just gonna call that God. I'm gonna use the you could reverse it, right? Like what from what you said. You could say mm-hmm. he's just choosing the signifier that all these fools in his society use. God and he's gonna say, Well, yeah. this is what you really are talking. You right, think you're talking. Right, right, right. I mean, Hegel does this. Good. I mean, like, you think yeah. you're a Christian, you think you believe this. No, this is what you really think. And I, yeah. I think maybe you could read it, I'm not sure, but maybe mm-hmm. you could read it the other way. Like, I'm just I'm gonna take this term that they're and what they're really talking about is the coordination of all our representations. That's what they mean by God. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's not, I mean, I mean, because it is true that, like, um, in at least in this, you know, in this text, that, like, the um, God is not, God is not determinative of really anything except for... Coordinative. Except right? for coordinating. Yeah, except for being, like, God is ordering. God is an ordering principle. God right. is, but God does not make orders. You know, it's like, it's. I think it's on that axis. That's like a very... It's a very, very interesting and I, I like unique understanding uh, because it's not. I guess I would say also is it like the idea of the divine is not here either. No, you know? no. I mean, just, it's interesting, Ryan, because it, it's in the Theodicy, which is mm-hmm. famously lampooned by Voltaire in Candide. Oh, it's in the Theodicy right. where it, there's much more a sense of the divine because he's trying to argue that we live in the best of all possible worlds, right? And that God created that world, and God chose in creation from all these different possibilities, and chose... So if there's ever terrible things that happen, it's because it's really that that it, it has to be that it's the best, that, that, that those terrible things are the things that, just because everything is connected structurally, they make possible these great things that we're experiencing. And if right. you get rid of the terrible, you also get rid of the great. I think... I mean, clearly, that is not a 20th century dogma. No, <laughs> it's, no, I mean, no. at the time we're recording this, that someone said that they would, they would, we would think they were a horrible person, right? Like you just can't. It's, I mean, especially aftermath of any of the the catastrophes of the 20th century, right? It, it's yeah. un, unthinkable. Yeah, Voltaire's. I'm, for me, my favorite in that. T- I think I brought this up before. Is um, the the friend of Candide's, the like the mentor, the older guy. Pangloss. Yeah. Thank you, Pangloss. Like different points in the in, in the in the story, um, he like he keeps like like he becomes like he, they're they're just in, beset upon him are uh, different personal blights, and eventually he meets him, and I think he's like he's blind or hobbling. Like I don't I don't quite remember all the things, yeah. but he meets yeah. him at one point, and he's he also has syphilis now. <laughs> and Candida says, "Like that's horrible, <laughs> like how, like unbelievable." And he says, "No, no, 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 it's not, because how did we get syphilis?" And then he comes up with this whole thing that, like, we got syphilis because of uh, trade, and uh, it, it was sourced in uh, it's, it's sourced in South America, or whatever. Which, like, I don't know that Voltaire even thinks is true, but it's something that the character would think is true, right? Yeah. yeah. And but yeah. also, how did we like what? Why did why did this happen? Is like, well, that's how we found chocolate. So if we didn't have, if we didn't have syphilis, we wouldn't have chocolate, and I like I wouldn't I would certainly wouldn't want to live in that world. World right. of that, like it's like the, like that kind of thing. Like so, like yeah, that, that's that, right, that's right. And and right. Uh, you know I've I've done a like that's a that's a complete paraphrase for me. It was a long time ago since I read the text, but the that, um, yeah, I think it's unfortunate that 
uh, it's kind of funny, like th- for me to think that the Leibniz, the, the Leibniz that's here is the one that like at, that that feels a little bit to me. I haven't read the Theodicy, but like it does. It sounds to me like he he backs himself into having to have that. I think that's right. But let me just say, it's a great book. It's a, you (laughs) think like, oh, this is a crazy thing. And Voltaire really got the best from it. Voltaire is a media and he's, he's obviously an important philosopher in his own right, but compared to Leibniz, he's a pretty mediocre thinker. And so it's, you read, you read the theodicy. You're like, well, okay. Candide's funny. It's really funny. Yes. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Leibniz is like, he's a serious, even in the theodicy, you're like, you, it, Here's the problem. I read it, I don't know. I only read it once, like five years ago, something. And I'm like, I, I, after I finished, I'm like, that's pretty convincing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, he's so great because yeah. it's really, you know what, what's convincing about it? And maybe people can already imagine what I'm going to say that it's a, in a certain way, it's a precursor of dialectics, right? Like it's mm. already anticipating even what yeah. you just said about syphilis and chocolate. Yes. That there's not a leap from that. The problem is what you said is too teleological yes, to be exactly. dialectical. Yeah. Yes. That is, we need this ultimate end that we're going to where we can eat chocolate fun and <laughs> have fun doing that. To no, that's not that's stupid. But it is true that things that are terrible often make possible things that are great and vice versa. Like we can have, be having a great time and that can lead to terrible things happening. And this happens in sports all the time. Like a team, because precisely because they're doing well, mm-hmm. they let down and have a terrible game, right? Like it's <laughs> yeah. like that, the let down that's just game, a, the trap game, the, let, the, yeah, the trap yeah. game, right? That, that's, I mean, I think that's what Leibniz and, and vice versa, because a team struggles, they can put it all together and, and have a great game. I think that's really what, that's why Leibniz, you read him, you're like, wow, there's something that really makes sense about that. Even though it, 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 Ultimately, obviously, it, it can't be right. But I also think, look, it's tied to what he's... So that's where he introduces the God, more of a divine God. But even yeah. here, I think what he's saying, if you think about it in terms of God, you're like, well, that can't be right. But if you think about it, I think even if... even I really, really like what you said about God as questioning or God as... I would say maybe God as absence, right? And I think mm-hmm. that, 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 that the you can see like that God only is there in the, in what we can't see and can't experience. And I think mm-hmm. there's, there's a difference between that and God as this structuring organizing principle as it is for Leibniz. Right. Yeah. Like I think there's a, it seems to me like there's a, for Leibniz, isn't it something like God is the director of the movie? Yeah. Right? Like God's yeah. the, God's arranging everything. Or maybe, the, maybe this is better. Maybe God's the conductor of the orchestra. Yeah. Yep. You so, see them, so, you see them in front. They like, they seem to have, they, they seem to have a, a, it's, it's funny. They, they, they are the prime mover. They, they say when yeah. it starts and they like, but, it's, but they're, they're not playing any of the instruments. They're not making actually right. any of the music happen. Right. So that's pretty good. But you couldn't have the, you couldn't play the symphony Mm-hmm. If you didn't have the conductor there organizing everything, right? Like if each yeah. if each instrument just went off on its own, they wouldn't know how to coordinate. Even if they, I mean, maybe they, maybe you could imagine yeah, enough a, practice, a, sure. a conductor, right, with enough practice. But I think, don't you think there'd always be a, 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 a ersatz, like a conductor there that wasn't there, right? Like there, you're imagining <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that figure there, right? I think I, that that you'd have to have that. I think that's true. I mean, I also I like I, I think it's true about like even if we went back to the film example about like 
if there's no director and it's just like like okay um so what was um i i'm gonna make a i'm actually gonna make a jump back to sports like uh and this may be alienating but like you know Kyrie Irving saying uh, when Steve Nash was a coach. You know I think we're all coaches. We're all we've coaches. Got, I think yeah. we've got a lot of coaches, and it's like that de facto makes you the most important. If you're undermining as a player the coach, then now you're the most important. Per- and what well, happened? The coach got fired. And like like I would think the same thing would be on like like a like a movie set. Like it was like you know we we really we really think there's a there's not a director uh, to this to this picture. It's like the like the the we're all stars. It's like well, certainly one star is going to shine brighter, and someone is going to get their way over certain things. And then like I mean that's that's it. There would like be that de facto uh, presence. I think would be interesting. I isn't the name for that a bad movie? <laughs> probably is. The but I have like, like, but I, go ahead, I, go I have something on this though that I want to I want to run by you because and this is as it regards Lacan. Is I think it's interesting. So the, so you did, you, you had the, um, you, you did the example with the master signifier and, and, and yeah. name of the father, like that, this is the way that, like the way that God functions for, this is what you're saying. The way that God functions yeah. for Leibniz is the for way Leibniz. master signifier functions for Lacan. Now, I, I think the other thesis about like, or, or, or about God as, as absence, I think that as uh, maybe like God as a structuring absence, um, even that graphs on to Lacan's idea of the real, at least the way that I, that I like to understand it. Yeah. And so, so I think, because I'm not the, the, this is probably a topic for another day. I'm not the hugest fan of master signifier as like, I think that my, my little, like little thing is that like every, I think every master signifier is, um, is, is retrograde. Like I don't think there's any such such thing as a liberatory master signifier. No, I agree I totally. But but it's a different question to think that, and to think we can do without the master signifier. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. Yeah, I I well, but but that's why that's why I'm saying that's why that I'm I'm offering up that's why I'm offering up the real as the negativity, the structuring negativity. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, tell like, me tell me what you think about this as an example of what you're saying. Yeah. Do you know the movie, not the Lubitsch one, the one directed by Warren Beatty and and Buck Warren. Buck, what's his name? I forget. Uh, uh, Heaven Can Wait. Oh, yeah. The yeah, Lubitsch yeah, one is bad. Heaven Can yeah. Wait, where uh, Warren Beatty plays a quarterback named Joe Pendleton, and he gets he, do, he, he, he gets pulled out of his body, and then his body gets cremated, so he can't be put, pulled out too soon before he... But that's the thing. The, he, yes, exactly. He dies too soon, so the accounts, the, the heavenly accounts are off. So they got to yeah. do something. They got to... Yeah, now here's, yeah. My, here's my point. Go ahead. We never see God as a total. We don't even hear God's voice. There's no, we're just, we don't see heaven. We're just at mm. a way station. Yeah. There's no, there's no depiction of God. I mean, yeah. this is true of good place as well, right? Like there's basically a committee in charge of heaven and there it's got it down <laughs> on the job, right? Like there's, sure, sure. okay, there's a, there's a hell, although we mm-hmm. don't see Satan directly, I don't think. We just see functionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. So isn't, is that kind of would the heaven can wait example be a kind of what you're talking about? Like, there's just yeah. this gap. I like it where yes. where there is the where that structuring that thing that holds everything together. Right, right, and it's almost like I think I would say this. It's almost like um, the there's a like uh, who am I taking this phrase from? Is it Frank Kermode? I don't. There's like a I'm I don't mean it in the way that he would have. Uh, there's like a fictive concord. 
that keeps it together. I like the. Yes. I'm not meaning it the way that the Kermode means gotcha. it in no. Sense of an Ending. But you, but you know what I mean. Where, where like yeah. there's like there's a shared there's a shared fiction of the like because you're right. Like it, I mean, it's a good place is a good example too. But I think um, the, the Heaven Can Wait is is really good. That like the it's the functionaries like the functionaries are doing the work for like and and there's a there's an implied kind of order they they don't they're like they're not leaning on some other kind of like higher authority uh or, or anything like that like but they are relying but their work is being done it's being licensed by the idea that that authority may very well exist even if it d- literally does not right right yeah yeah. Yeah, I think that's I mean that seems to me really in keeping with Leibniz and in keeping with Lacan interestingly, right? Like they mm. kind of both I think they're bo- I mean the idea of psychoanalysis seems to me is that the master signifier is a fraud, it's a fake and and so yeah. so which is your point, like you just there the, the it's not the that signifier that does the work, it's all the things that are around it that actually keep it Yes. do that work and keep it going. Yes. I think, yeah, I think that's really good. And I think there's, that's part of what makes Leibniz such an interesting figure to me. The other, the thing that makes him less interesting is not, to me, it's not the thing about God at all. It's where he says this, I'm going to quote, he says, yeah, souls act according to the laws of final causes through appetition, ends and means. Yeah. Bodies act according to the laws of efficient causes or of motions. And these two realms, that of efficient causes, that of final causes are in mutual harmony. So basically what he's saying is what our morality agrees with the laws of the laws of our morality agree with the laws of nature. And this is something that Kant would really I think devastatingly undermine. And I th- and I, I think that I think that's to me one of the things I don't think you can hold that today. I think I don't yeah. think you can hold that somehow the 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 world of efficient causes and the natural world works together with our, and I think this is when you have critiqued him for being teleological. I think this is where he's very teleological because our final causes agree with the efficient causes and the the natural causality in the, out in the world, right? That just, I I think that just can't, there's no, you can't get that mutual harmony, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I I think that this, uh, I think that there's a a level at which this does Actually, that this does come from like this is separate from this is separate from the way that God functions, which like I, I think we both agreed like it's very it's it's really really, I mean this is such a, a stupid word to say like it's just kind of cool the way that yeah. the way that, the way yeah, that yeah God, no God I don't think that's a stupid word at all yeah. I think you're no, right it's, like, it's just it's interesting but the consequence of it is I think in what you're saying because like look there's this line in like the you know the forty fifth paragraph that uh, thus only God or the necessity or the necessary being has this privilege that he must exist if he is possible. And you got something a little bit down, uh, 48 in God, there is power, which is the source of everything. There is knowledge, which contains all ideas like that. I, I think there's, this is why I say like, it would be, it'd be better if it like, if he leaned into more of the, like of the ordering principle of it. But I mean, like, again, yeah. like the, the it be, if, if it was more of a question, because I think, I just think he backs in. I think he backs into these things. Like I think he he. I think what happens is he moves forward from like like a a position from a starting position that he doesn't need to adopt. Like he doesn't need to think a sim- simple substance. Like it's like in the beginning of this, there are no assumptions about right. how anything right. exists, and he's trying right. to think. He's trying to blow past assumptions of, of. He's trying to blow past the givenness 
of anything in the world. And like, yes. that's like really exciting and really awesome yeah. to see. And then you get to the point where like God comes in in a certain way. And I don't think it's because, again, I don't think it's because of doctrine. I don't think it's because of the church. I don't think whatever. It's just the, what it means for him to include God in the method, I think makes him back into things that he doesn't need to. And like, he, he doesn't need, he doesn't need, you're right. Like I am criticizing him on the, on the basis of like, it's like we move forward and it's like anything can be possible, but then we get to yeah. a certain point and actually it's a teleology that was what, what was yeah. there. Yeah, and that yeah. was always I mean, there. Yeah. And I think that, I think that, 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 li- that line you read it is especially a problem, right? Like yeah. that, 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 that the, that somehow possibility and necessity in God, that possibility implies necessity. And it seems yeah. like yeah. for everyone, and it has to be true for God too, if you believe in God in any kind of way. And just the like the way you were saying, like in this idea of a source of a question, it can't be that possibility is necessity. That there's no yeah. divorce between those two things, because then then there's no possibility for contingency. And I think that right, that's what that's what God does for Leibniz ultimately. So I think mm-hmm. there's this interesting and compelling structural conception of God, but then we have God as this figure of ultimate necessity and teleology, mm-hmm. and then that seems to me to be really problematic, and that's what allows this final cause and efficient cause to come together, and and all the problems, I think, that come along with that, and including, this is the most teleological thing of all, there will be no good action which doesn't have its reward, and no bad one without its punishment. Right. Everything must work out for the benefit of the good. This is yeah. paragraph 90. Yeah. I mean, it's just like that... He, this that seems Panglossian. It does. <laughs> right? like, yeah. That seems like he's kind of not seen the way in which, uh, and I think it's because he's worked. To, I think you're right that he's argued him. He didn't. The simple substance didn't get him to this. Right. But I think the introduction of God as more than just, and I think maybe this is the error, right? Like when yeah. God becomes more than just a structuring principle. Yeah. And becomes this figure of the good as well, then we, then disaster. Right. Thinking, it's, it explains too much in this, it explains too much in the system. It's like, it's really striking. Like the, the, because it's maybe, it's maybe like the first four pages. It's, it's just a bit, a, a bit of whiplash to, to have paragraph 90 and like what you just read about finally under this perfect government, there will be no good action, which doesn't have its reward and no bad without its punishment. And everything must work for the benefit of the good, that is of those in this great state who are not discontented, who trust in providence when they have done their duty and who love and copy as they should the author of all good. Like you read that and you're like, how is this the guy that was talking about the simple, simple substance 10 pages ago? Yeah. yeah. It's, it seems yeah. It, it, it's like a, it's a real, it's a real break. And so it's, so it's kind of, it's just interesting. It's really interesting to me. And I like, I should read the theodicy. I'd be really interested to read it because I do think there's this, like, this is what I think is really valuable, like in not in, in both in what he says and the way he thinks and him being like pre modern scientific discoveries and not just, but also pre he's pre Kantian. Pre Kantian. Well, right. You know, right, and, right. and that, that is itself. It's always, it's, it's interesting to me. There's always like, you know, in, in every field of endeavor, there's always like, there's like the big text and then the big text changes everything. Or like, there's the big figure. Like, I, like I love this line about, um, about the comedian Richard Pryor that like, yeah. you know, he, 
in many ways makes every comedian before him irrelevant. And then everyone after one bears his mark in some way. I'm not yeah. sure who said that, but like, I, I think uh, with the exception of Lenny Bruce, perhaps I, I don't, I don't think that that's exactly true about everyone being irrelevant before him, but like, that's, but I like, it's a pretty good line. And just in every, you know, like, you know, you could say citizen Kane in film, or it was like, I think it, there are like, there are certain video games where it's just like, uh, and, and nothing music. is the same after it's just nothing right. the Be- the Beatles you know what I mean like or Elvis right. like you know wherever you want to put it and so I do find it interesting like in all these different fields or any of the things that I happen to have interest in like and, and patience and attention enough to like to go in is like you find that text you know what the text is and then what was going on before because it, it is like because no I think it's true like no one could think like Leibniz again so like the fact that like right. it exists like there is something to like to treasure about it and to like to, to work through why he was thinking these things and what works about it and what is exciting and a little bit different. But like the the thing about being, you know, post Descartes, but pre subject and, yeah. you know, and and also like and pre the kind of uh, like before analytic philosophy, but also before uh, Hegel and before uh, dialectics and it like it it makes us, uh, this text, like, like, I I think really, really unique. I mean, and not just because he was a unique individual, but like also it's, it's like placement in this like trajectory of the history of philosophy. And I don't know that that's what I'm finding very valuable about it. Like to tease out and to think is that like in the, in the beginning of this, it's like, it's Leibniz making all of these moves, but then he gets to this point where, I just like I'm left sort of wondering like if he had different either scientific or philosophical advances, if something else would be doing the work that God does in this text, and if he would be coming to different conclusions if there was a different thing that was even even in the way that he thinks of God, if there would not be some alteration that would lead to like because the conclusions here seem so easy to get to when I the. Know. Be- the beginning of this was so hard one and that's yeah. like, and I, and so that just split in the text is like interesting to pay attention to. And to, again, yeah, to tease yeah. out. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, it's the, if you measure, let's just use the term like the radicality of the beginning versus the conformism of the end, it's, yeah. it's really striking. But I think your deeper point is really right that, the, the critique of pure reason by Kant is such a radical cut in thinking that you there's all of a sudden this introduction of a problematic. And I think you could no longer say the thing like this, the, for one thing, you couldn't say everything works out for the benefit of the good because Kant divorces morality from the good. That's not the critique right. of pure reason. That's a critique of practical reason and the groundwork of the metaphysics of morals. So that's, but that's what he does. So all of a sudden the good and morality are, 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 are splint split from each other. And I think that makes, so then Aristotle becomes a problem, but then mm-hmm. what Leibniz says here becomes a problem. But in the, in the first critique in the critique of pure reason, it's what he's, what he's, what he's doing is saying, look, you can't, you can't think about, you can't think, you, you can't apply this idea of the final cause or God to the natural world in the way that you want to do. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can still hold on to your, idea of a certain idea. You can have faith in God. I mean, Kant, Kant very famously says, I have, I've critiqued, uh, I've critiqued reason to make room for faith. Right. So sure. he's, yeah, yeah. he's not, 
eliminating the possibility. There's a whole argument about whether Kant was a believer or not, but he's he's certainly you can certainly still have faith and be a Kantian. But I don't I don't think you can believe in the way that Leibniz does, right? Mm-hmm, like you can't mm-hmm. you can't have that conception of God and st- this idea. And again, it's tied to this idea of the dominance of the good and God's in, in God's organizing of everything. I don't know. I think it's a it's a it's a fascinating question. Like, did is that is that detour in the text? Is it could he have just sustained a structuralist? Mm-hmm conception of God and not made this turn to the good in this wild optimism of the last paragraph could yeah. he have could he have not made that move and 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 in other words does that move follow from his original claims I don't think I think you're saying you don't think it does like there's no. There, it, it happens. There, I'll even tell you exactly where it happens. Oh, you got the point it, where it happens. I okay. think it's exactly when he considers when he brings in not just. I, I even think it's not just God, but when he brings in the city of God as an idea. That's where I think it happens. Does he talk about Augustine, or it's just a no kind of just, silent? No, he just silent. says that. He just says it. I mean, it's in eighty six. Uh, this city of God, this truly universal monarchy, mm. is a moral world within the natural world, and it is the most noble and the most divine of God's creations. And that, like, and that just. And we even get we even start to get a little bit of divinity in here at the end, and I just think it's like it's it's kind of changed. So I would even maybe say say it's like there's like the the to like reading this text in thirds, right? So like there's the yeah. um, there's the simple substance before God third, and then there's the introduction of God as this like ordering and structuring principle, and then I think it is when like divinity in the city of God starts to come in that the conclusions seem to be made for him. And so like, I hope like everyone's like hearing that uh, this at the, at the level that like we're, we're putting this, like the problem isn't that like God's in the text. It's that like, it's what God does to the, like it's like what this conception of God does for the method that he's laying out. Whereas suddenly like, again, like he's, he begins this thing, like, like trying to, trying to think the beginning. And it's really funny because since God appears in this anyway, it's like, so in the beginning there was the word, like that's not good enough for him. So like there must be a reason for that. And so like that, I like, I think that's interesting. And then, but then at a certain point God does come in and, and uh, I think starts to, to, again, starts to, to obliterate a a question uh, and where, where it's just like a kind of like a, a, a preformed answer, which, which in some ways is like not actually completely out of step with, some of the other things he's saying, like going back to what I said about the the seed and the one time he has that fr- yeah. really nice phrase, the yeah. pre-formation. So like maybe, maybe maybe there is a way where that does track, but but it is um yeah, I think that 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 would be that's like my recommendation for the short thing is to like really like to approach it in thirds and to like to see this uh this trajectory emerge where where you're right, he does end up in a very like conformist or like orthodox uh thing where like like the thing he says at the end doesn't seem like I don't know. It doesn't seem too out of. It doesn't seem too out of step from like something you could have read in John Salisbury or whatever. Like where some of the, who is also a great like that's a medievalist thinker, but like that's much earlier. You know what I mean? Like like so it's it's uh he 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 begins in a place that would be like I don't think Augustine could have no. begun. I don't think at all. Like you know, and and like I don't think Erasmus or like Thomas More. Right. Like I don't think no, any no, of these no. people. It's a modern position. It's a for very sure. modern position. And then yeah, he ends sure. with this, like, you know, this this much. I don't want to say classical to confuse 
terminology, but like you understand what I mean. Like he ends yeah, in yeah, this yeah. like traditional, again, right? Yeah, it's a very traditional, traditional spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you think of the break between modernity and tradition, this is just a very traditional idea that the good has its reward and the evil is punished, right? Or the bad is yeah. punished. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think that there's really he doesn't I think you're I think you're also right that there's no necessary that the turn in the text isn't presaged by the yeah. conceptions that he starts with. Yeah. Although it's tempting to say that this that maybe he goes awry. I mean, I think he does go awry in thinking of the substance as simple, right? Like that that mm-hmm. he he doesn't see the way in which that which, well, I mean, this is a Hegelian point, that the, the, the simple is already at odds with itself, right? The simple is already contradictory, and for him, that it can't be. And, 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 and it's very the basis for the fact that it has external uh, influences and has touch with externality is because it's contradictory with mm-hmm. itself, right? If you, I think, I, and I think he, if you think of the substance, if you think of the substance as simple and, and, and utterly self-contained and not at odds with itself, then I think you're gonna, that's, you're, you're headed down that wrong path right then. And, yeah. and I, I don't know, maybe that, I guess he doesn't need to be so optimistic. I, I was, you said John of Salzer. I was thinking like, this sounds like a, one of these, I, I, I used to, my mom used to make me put out, tra- I used to have to go into the men's room and lay down tracks on the toilet, <laughs> like Christian, tra- you know what a tract is? Yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's like a little pamphlet. This is, mm-hmm. this is like the logic of those. It's just, yeah. it's just, I, I, it's just unworthy of liveness. I think the way that, the, the way that it ends. And, 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 and that's what a K, I mean, this isn't the book necessarily, but that this is you can imagine Voltaire having a, a field day with this this part yeah. the, with section ninety. It's interesting because because you're right because it does sort of it ends like a morality play like every man yeah. right like yeah. Um, yeah 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 where like every man like in fact this maybe even has in some senses the like the trajectory of it like every man is. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because it's a well. Who's the main the main protagonist is meant to stand in for every man, uh, right. of course, right. and to tell the story about like what do you need to make it to uh, to heaven in life, and the kind of interesting thing uh, that I, I think in that in that text is that the way that it plays out is like good works will only take you so far. Like good works will take you like to the gate of heaven, but what what you need to cross over to be redeemed is grace. And that is not something that you can just accumulate or, or do right. in your own life. And right. I, and you, I don't know, like I almost wonder like, like if, like if that's the thing that's in this text, right? Like he does. And I mean this in a, in a dead simple sense, like he does yeah. really good work right in the early part of this text, like the first third, like this whole thing with the simple uh, substance. But then like at some point, d- does he think that the idea needs grace? And like yeah. that can't, that can't be logically one. That has to yeah. be that. Ha- it's and again, it's just like it's really interesting. It's like that again comes from the outside, but he has this absolute like prohibition yeah, on the externality. It's it's it, I don't know. It's it's. it's I don't think he can have grace. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I think God is there is there's grace in reason, right? And so that's yeah. not grace. Yeah, I don't. I think he's not the the thinker. The it's Jansenism that really comes mm-hmm. to mind, and and Blaise Pascal, right? Like he's for him works are zero. We're yeah. nothing, and it's yeah. only grace that saves us. He was—that was his critique of the Jesuits. 
mm-hmm. they emphasize works too much. And so I think, but I don't think that, I don't think Leibniz can have that. I don't think yeah. he can have that. So Pascal's a rough contemporary, mm. although died much before Leibniz did. Uh, yeah, I don't think he can have it because it everything has to fit within reason for Leibniz. Yeah, there can't point. be there can't be a will of God separate from reason, and I think that's I think actually I also think that's a limit to the structural Position. idea of God. I mean, yeah. I, I almost think that's the whole problem right there. Yeah, that, yeah. that doesn't the doesn't the structuring thing have to be this? And I, this is what he doesn't get. This is what, now I think this. I think this is right. He doesn't get the stupidity of that fundamental signifier, mm-hmm. right? Like that seems mm-hmm. to me the the great psychoanalytic lesson that there's this fundamental signifier of prohibition, and why is it prohibiting? Well, just because it's prohibiting. Like there's right. no. There's no like there's no great reason behind it. There's not because God knows the fruit's bad for us. There's no there's nothing. It's just a pure prohibition. It's not reasonable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the I think Leibniz doesn't have any space for this will of God that t- defies reason. And I think that's the that's where he ends up with this way too optimistic yeah. understanding of things. Yeah, and he and he, why he needs like again at the end of this, like he needs each soul being a being like this. Is, I'm quoting him exactly. Each soul being like a little divinity within its own sphere. So that's not that's not grace exactly, but that's not like I don't know. That's not totally out of it. But he needs that because he needs some reason why we can even enter into a community with right. God. I mean, he even literally says that like that, that's, that's in like the next line The so it's so like the thing that earlier structurally would seem to disallow the later move, the, the entire system then depends on the later move for the, the consistency, which right. is not, uh, stru- is not st- structurally, um, needed or, apparent until it's needed, which I think is the, the problem that makes it feel like a, to not make a pun exactly, but that makes it feel a little bit like a deus ex machina, right? Like in, in, well, in I, I kept thinking of that as you yeah. were talking about how God comes, like God, there's this, 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 Leibniz's philosophy has a literal deus ex machina. <laughs> a little, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he does call, he does, he, he even uses the word machine at one point. Yeah, he, he does. He, he calls, yeah. I think he calls God a machine. It, it doesn't matter. But yeah, it, that's funny. Yeah. It's, it's, he, it is, yeah, like he comes out of nowhere to, uh, to, l- to lend stability to the idea when it's not, it's, it's not really necessary. Or if it is necessary, it's like a different, I, I, an idea that's more in keeping with, cause like that, that's the other thing too, is that the monad to me, like kind of drops out in, I know in this thing called the monadology. Like that's like, you could even hear it in the way that we talked about it in the beginning of this podcast, all about the monad. Then like there was a certain point we started talking about God and we moving through that thing. And then the monad drops out completely. And And I mean, all of a sudden, Ryan, yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. And all of a sudden the fact that monads don't have windows get, which is the main idea. If anybody knows any line from the book, it's, or from the text, it's monads have no windows. And then we get to the end. Where's that idea? Yeah. I mean, God, God almost like forces a window on the monad. Yeah. Even well, though you know, not, he I mean, he, yeah. he doesn't close the door without opening a window, Tom. That's you know. <laughs> okay, that's that that stupid kind of wisdom. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that that's yeah. it does fit with the end of this yeah. text? So, yeah. Look, yeah. I know. I a part of me feels like, who the hell am I? 
<laughs> to be criticizing Leibniz in any way. But yes. I mean, what do you? It's what you do. It's what you yeah. do. So. We got, and, we got a show you know, to do today, Todd McGowan. That's right. And we had the misfortune of being born in the 300 years after, or how many ever, I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, but I but I also think, I don't know, like, like again, like, just to go back to something I, I, I was saying, like, 20 minutes ago, like, it's it's not the what, it's not the what, it's not the, like, like, that's that's the thing. It's not like, oh, this thing is stupid. Like, that's like, I hope, like, it's not coming off that way. It's not the, not the what, it's the, it's the why that's interesting. It's yeah. like why this move appears. Why why this move and not another one? Like like why why is this why is why is X closing down Y? Why is X right. the thing that we're attending to instead of Z? Why does uh you know, why does W suddenly not matter anymore? You know, like that like that those those kinds of things are like what you know we're trying to trying to do here and pull out. And I mean like it's uh it's really interesting. Like I mean I th- I think you can you can you can do this with, um, with almost anybody, but like, it's, it's a good framework to have is to like, when you read, when you read any philosophical text, particularly one that is like, I would say 19th century or, or older is to like, yeah. to read for where is someone like seeing way past like quote where yeah. they should, you know what I mean? Yeah. For like, for yeah, scientific yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and just like what people say, like what is common sense at that time? Yeah. And then where is the point where they're actually, they're coming back to like reaffirm yeah. the, the doxa of the, the day. The ideology. Like, or the, the ideology. Doxa. Yeah. 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 I think it's a great point. I mean, it really, it shows you how ideology can trip up the greatest thinkers. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah I think it's true. I think it's true. Like you get caught up in the ideological thing and then you can't follow the force of the, your, the radicality of your own thinking. I mean, yeah. that's, what's really striking. Like if he could have, like he almost gets this God as question or God as absence, right? Mm-hmm. God just as structuring principle. Yeah. And, and wouldn't that be just this incredible radical reformulation of this Christian world kind of, yeah opposite of Spinoza, but in a way like Spinoza was trying yeah. to do, and like Hegel tried to do later, he almost gets that, but then he just, he, he ends up, he ends up balking finally and, yeah. and just, and can't maybe because it's before the Kantian critique or whatever, but he just can't make the, he can't ultimately make the move. And I think you're right. It's incredibly instructive, right? It's incredibly instructive because it tells you, it, it's a, it's a way of guiding like, oh, I can try to avoid that making that misstep at that time in my own thinking. Mm. Yeah. Well, right. And like, well, what, like, I guess this would be the thing. What do you have to do to see beyond your own time? Yeah. And difficult question. Um, I think like, I think my, like my answer would have to be like, I mean, I think, I think what you can see in this kind of like in the kind of like a meta reflexive thing in the, in the text is like, try to like, look, look where you are very much of your time, you know? And then, I think it's then I think it's then it's just like a a simple set of questions is like do I have to think about this like that? Like does it does that have to be the way that I see this? Is this the only option? And you know, and I'm speaking in vagaries here, but I think like that's like trying to keep it consistent with what we've said about the about the text like like it's um it's a little it, it like where I don't like I don't even think for for me like reading this like i don't even think leibniz thinks he's making a move toward god i think that like he probably thinks he's just he's writing up to the point where god makes an appearance yeah ryan i really love that i think that your the point is to take what seems most 
true to you and just most self-evident and and subject subject that to a rigorous questioning right give like that seems twist to me to be just give it a tweak twist give it a tweak yeah. you know you might come yeah. back it might come back around and that is like yes that is the thing like there is something here but like you need there there needs to be the like there needs to be the. I think that that would be the that would be the way to to avoid the. I think that's what that's what I'm just what I'm trying to say. That would be the way to avoid the like um, using. I guess th- this is the point. Using ideology to make a critical point. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be that yeah. would be the way to avoid the. Right, like 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 obviously you're gonna we're gonna all be ideological in our thinking at times, right? Yeah. But the the question the point is not to allow a key moment of your, the the development of the logic of your own thinking to at that point succumb to some ideological crutch. Because I yes. think it does, it's, it's a way that the thinking gets, the radical edge of the thinking gets gets defanged, I think. Mm, nice. I like that. Defanged. Not a word okay. that we use all the time, right? No. <laughs> I like that. I think that, that might be the first time that's ever appeared on this podcast. I um, think it's probably so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the lesson is Twilight. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, what, I like Twilight. But, I do too. Uh, someday that will be the lesson. Be I lesson. think it's. I think it's. I think the lesson is Watch Heaven Can Wait, which is. A, yes. It seems like it's just a kind of silly sports movie, but it's a. It's a. It's a real masterpiece. I think. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And not. Not the Lubitsch. Not the Lubitsch, which is not quite bad. I hate to say this, but it is. I've seen it like three times. I, I can't, I, because I couldn't believe that there was a bad Lubitsch film. So I, can, I, can, I and I'll probably watch it another three times before I die, unless I die in the next year. Uh, and I just, I forget. Oh yeah, it's terrible. But it, it's basically terrible. It's about mm. a guy who gets, uh, who who's sent to hell, and he goes over his life with with Satan and then, Mm. but it's just, it's so, it's so bad and so cliched and boring and not funny. So that sounds a lot closer to the Albert Brooks film, defending your life. It does. In fact, I think defending your life was taken. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Farnsworth. (laughs) Okay. Over and out. Over and out, Todd.